we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here. It's so good to see all of you guys here uh, today. Um, like he said, for you guys that are new, we are so happy that you're here um, and we want you to be able to engage. And I love what Quincy was saying about just what's, what's happening in this space when we come together. I was thinking about it this morning. I just said, how cool would it be if every single one of us, no matter what you, what you came in with, no matter where you stand, that we would take one step one step closer to Jesus, and then one step closer to what Jesus want, how, how Jesus wants us to be outside of these walls. If we did that, just if every person, no matter where, you might not even have any idea of who Jesus is, but if you take a step towards him, that would be such a great morning for us to be able to do that together. So we're excited about um, continuing and digging into to, to passage of scripture and into the series that we've been talking about. Um, I got my front range sweatshirt on today because, you know, I've done ministry, college ministry for 20 some years. And, and I did 14 of those years on the CU campus. And I have to admit, sometimes you forget about the front range students. And, and my, my youngest daughter is a front range student. And I said, I'm representing Abby. I'm going to represent front range. This is your school. And when I, that's true. How many of you guys are front range people or you know someone from the front range? I mean, I go pick her up from school and I'm just looking around at college students, which I absolutely love. And I just look at them in a community college setting. And I think about how hard that's got to be sometimes for people to connect with each other in a community college setting. And I thought, man, I got to be praying more for students on the, at, at Front Range, uh, you know, at all the different campuses that Front Range is at. In fact, I thought I'm going to start here by praying just for those students at Front Range. So Father, I'm going to pray that, that students that are going onto those campuses Longmont and Westminster and really all up and down the front range, the different camps they've got. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would bless them with friendships because I know that it can be lonely in college. And I pray that you would bless them with, with connection and, and next steps and whatever is next after those, the, the years that they would spend there. Uh, God, I, I just know that college years are not easy. And I pray that you would bless those that are spending those, the beginnings of their college years right there on, those, on that community college campus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. I know that's a little bit of a, of a, of a tangent of where I want to go today, but I just, man, I love those students over there at Front Range. Um, you guys, we are in the, this series uh, that is really, it's, it's part of the vision of our church. To, to, to bless the socks off of our community and ultimately to be for the good of our city. And we're talking about your city is our city. And we've been over these last four or five weeks talking about, and if you've missed it, just go online and listen to them. We've been talking about what's that all mean to be for the good of our city. We talked about it, about that Jesus wants us to be salt and wants us to be light and wants us to, be, to, to give God flavor and God brightness to, to God's love to, to the community. We talked about why God so, so loves the city. We talk about the, 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 the need for the ministry of reconciliation as we try to unearth this thing, as Quincy was talking about. Last week, we talked about the, what it looks like to be a neighbor 
and, and the art of neighboring. And I loved it. Dave, our friend Dave came up and he was speaking and he talked about how we just need to know names. Man, he gave a, I love what he said about the low bar. He said, he said, we set the bar so low that you can't crawl underneath it. And I love that because he's like, just, we just got to get to know each other's names. I, I got to admit, I'm sitting in the back and I'm going, well, this doesn't apply to me. We don't have any neighbors. All our, our, our house is all burned down in the fire. And so, so I'm thinking, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to me. And then I thought, well, I have been in a rental home for over a year now. And I guess that's enough time to get to know my next door neighbor's name. And so I thought, yeah, I guess that applies to me too. And so I got to get to know people's names too. And so I love that. I love that challenge just to say, do you know eight names around your house? So, so we started talking about that too. And next week we're talking about what it looks like to leave a legacy in, in, what it, in, in being for the good of our city. But today I want to talk a little bit more in the, in the heart of this. Today I'm going to talk from a passage of Scripture that will be very familiar for those of us who have been around, around uh, church, especially if you went to church as a kid, you will have heard this passage. But there's such richness to the passage, I can't wait to unpack it with you guys. So let's pray together and we're going to dig into it. God, we are thankful that we are here today. We are thankful that you are here today. And we pray that you would bless this time. And as we dig into your word God, no matter where people are at with that, maybe they've never once opened up a Bible or maybe they've heard something like this one a thousand times. I pray that you would speak to us, draw us close to you and help us to understand what you have for us in this world. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, you guys, I'm gonna, I don't know if you guys ever do this. I do this and maybe it's because of my profession, but there are times where I think about, you know, Jesus was fully human and he was fully God. And there's times where I think about him as fully human and I just go, you know, what was it like for fully human Jesus? I start thinking about things like this. I think when he wakes up in the morning and he would put his feet down on the end of his bed and he's he about to get up, were there mornings that he would wake up thinking some of the times, some of the things that we think about? Were there mornings where he had a hard night to sleep, the next door neighbor's animals were keeping him awake, and he just sits there and he says, not today, God, not today. I don't, I don't have it. You know, were there days that he would go stand out in front of his, he'd open the door to the front of his house and he'd get out in front, he'd just go, I don't got it. I don't want to do this today. I don't want to deal with Peter. And he's always all going one place and I don't want to deal with him. I don't want to deal with the, the guy that keeps telling me that I'm, I'm crazy for saying I'm the son of God. I don't want to deal with him today, Lord. Did he ever have that as being fully human? Do you have those days where he's just going, that one guy that keeps bringing that water saying, change this into wine, change this into wine. Do I, was I, was I, do I, I don't want to deal with him anymore. Not today. You know, did he have those days? Jackie, one day, she's, gosh, I just love, Jackie's such a great mom and now such a great grandma. Um, but she, there was a day when our kids were bothering her like crazy, where she just looked at her, looked at the, the kids and just said, not today. Today, you're not calling me mom. I love this. She says, you're not calling me mom today. You're calling me Jackie. You don't get to call me mom because I'm not going to be mom today. And I just love, I thought, she said, you know, if, if I'm going upstairs and I have a glass of red wine with me and I'm going into my room, you leave, you, you leave me alone in there. I'm just going to watch TV and, and, and be Jackie today. Not today. I'm not going to be mom. You know, it only happened once. So, so uh, and she is a great mom. But, but, it, but it's like, did Jesus do that? Did Jesus just go, 
Not today, God. I just want to be Jesus today, not Messiah. Did he do that? Man, that's the fully human side that we would think, but he was also fully God. And in Exodus, in, in, in Exodus 34, there's this passage that says this. It says, it says God, God, here's what God is. God is compassionate and God is gracious. He's slow to anger and he's overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. That's who God is. He's compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. And Jesus said, if you see me, you see God. And so, so the, the fully God side is going, no, no, no. Jesus woke up with this compassion that's hard for us to understand. That, that word compassion in the, in, in the Old Testament Hebrew, that word is rahum. And that, that word rahum is related to the Hebrew word rahem. And that, that word rahem is, 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 is about the womb, is about the, a mother's care for a baby in her womb. And so when you look at God and God's compassion, it comes from his very core. God's core, is, it's, it's about compassion. And, and to the point that it's, it's like a mom with a baby in her womb. You know, when you see in the New Testament, Jesus looking out over Jerusalem and he knows all the stories of all the people there and he's going, oh, I just want to gather them up like a hen gathers her chicks. That's the compassion that comes from the very core of who Jesus is. And so while I want to believe that there were days that Jesus said, not today, Lord, you got to believe that from his very core, he would get up and he'd sit there on the edge of his bed and he'd stand up and with great compassion, he would start another day because that's at his very core. With great compassion, he would walk out and just say, okay, who's, who's next? Who needs to be healed? And who do I need to talk to about their doubt and walk with them in it? And what do I, how do I see that, that, that person next, to, that neighbor next to me that's, that's animals were keeping me up all night? How do I see them? And, and it's, we see it over and over and over again in Scripture that Jesus continued daily to respond to those people with beautiful, from the core, compassion. Okay, so that's Jesus waking up. Now, let's just put a bookmark in that for a second and talk about somebody else that was waking up one day in the city of Jericho. See, see this, this city, Jericho, was one of the, one of the um, it, was, it was a city where there's trade coming from lots of different places, kind of a crossroads. It was one that was tons of wealth. There was a river running through it, so they felt like it was a kind of an oasis in the desert. Jericho had a lot of very wealthy people in it. Well, let me talk about one that might have been the most wealthy person in all of Jericho that wakes up this, this morning for him and he's sitting at the side of his bed in probably a big old king feather bed. He's got servants. He's probably got the nicest house in all of Jericho and he's sitting there on the side of the bed and he gets up. Now, what's he thinking? Well, well here's the deal. Here's what we know about this guy. We know that he got all of that money and that he's in the nicest house because he was stealing from all, those, all of his friends. He was a tax collector. And you've heard me talk about tax collectors in here lots of times. There's, uh, it's, it's really important for us to understand the, the depth of what a tax collector was for understanding what Jesus was doing. The, the tax collector, the Romans would come in and they would find local people. This wasn't a Roman person that would come in. They would find local people. So it's people that knew each other. They'd want one of those local people because they knew all the other people and what kind of money they were making. And they'd want one of those local people to go collect the taxes from everybody else. 
And so they'd find this person and he'd come up to someone's house and he'd knock on their, their door and he's going, hey, you made, a, you made 200 bucks this last month. Uh, we need 100 of it for the Roman government. And remember, this was a Roman government that was oppressing these guys like crazy. And this is a local person. He's going, I got to give you 100 bucks for the Roman government. So already they're frustrated, but add to it, add to it. The, the tax collector would add on top of that $100 that he has to collect, he'd add another chunk of money for himself. And he could add whatever amount he wanted to. So he could say, all right, I'll take 150. And now the person has to give of the 200, he's got to give 150 to him because the tax collector is going to take a big chunk of it. So they were basically just stealing whatever they wanted from, and they could set whatever number they wanted. And so people hated it when the local guy that they knew would come to their house and ask for another chunk of money. I mean, we don't like giving, dealing with taxes anyway. You can imagine dealing with taxes with someone that was locally that's, that's making them pay them. I mean, I'm, you guys, I'm struggling with taxes right now. I sat in a two-hour seminar last Wednesday talking about taxes in a disaster relief area. I mean, it's, it's, it was horrible, a horrible two-hour webinar. And in the middle of it, here's what I find out. I'm going to totally go on a tangent here. Here's what I find out. I find out that, that you can have unintended gain. And so for us in our house, we have an unintended gain. We, it, we bought our house for 200,000 200, in 1999. Um, it cost 650,000 to get it fixed. And 450,000 is what insurance has given us. We're $200,000 short. We have to pay tax on the unintended gain from the 200 to the 450. I'm like, I'm listening to this webinar just going, are you kidding me? Can you imagine if it was one of you that's coming to me to give it, say, unintended gain, you got to give it away. I, I'd be like, you got to go find another church. And, and that's, and that's, and, 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 and I've totally digressed and you could care less about that, but taxes, none of us like, and this is a guy that's collecting it from everybody else. And he's a chief tax collector, which means you guys, he was looking out over all the other tax collectors and taking chunks from them. This is the richest of the rich. And he's sitting in this house, waking up this morning, and something's happening to him on the inside. He hears that Jesus is coming into Jericho today. And so he's going, I got to go see him. All the rumor about Jesus at this point, he's a miracle worker. Some say he's the son of God. Is he the Messiah that we've been waiting for? All of that rumor is out there. The stir about Jesus is getting to a, to, to a, to a level that people, when they hear him coming into town, they're lining up like it's a massive parade, four or five deep, waiting for him to come through. And so this guy's waking up in, in Jericho that morning going, I don't know why, but I got to go see him. I got to go see this guy. I got to see what he's all about. And so he gets up and he starts walking there. But the, the, here's the deal. He knows he's going to just get ripped by all those people. He knows none of them like him. He's stolen from all of them. And the other part about it is he's short. So we're talking about Zacchaeus. We're talking about this, this Zacchaeus, you know, there's a song. Wit said, you want me to come up and sing the song? You know, uh, wee little Zacchaeus. We little Zacchaeus was he, you know, he climbed the sycamore tree, something like that. You know, in a Catholic church, you guys, CCD, we didn't sing songs. You guys sang songs if you grew up in the church. We didn't sing songs like that. So, so but you, some of you might know it. 
We're talking about this, this wee little Zacchaeus, but it's so powerful what, what God has for us it, from this story. Listen to what it says, you guys. He says this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but it was too short to look out over the crowd. Dr. Luke, because remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the four people that set out to write about the life of Jesus. Luke gave us some serious detail in what he was talking about, but this is real detail, you guys. He didn't give us the, the temperature of the water when Peter walked on water. He didn't give us the flavor of the wine when he changed that water into wine. But for some reason, he gives that Zacchaeus was short. Why do we need to know that? Well, let's keep reading it. So he ran ahead and he climbed. He didn't just say a tree. He climbed a sycamore tree. Why does he say that? Let's keep reading. Besides the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be with the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And remember, these people, most of these people were the churchgoers. These were the churchgoers that are looking at Zacchaeus and they're going, him? You're going to his house? Meanwhile, more than likely back at Zacchaeus' house. And after a lot of conversations, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. And after time, he says, I will give you half of my wealth to the, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated on people, their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And here comes the mission statement of Jesus. For the son of man came to seek and save those that were lost. The detail in this story is, is, is pretty cool. Why is he telling us that he's short? Why is he telling us it's a sycamore tree? Well, I looked up the sycamore tree. I looked at what it looks like. Check this out, you guys. This is a sycamore tree, okay? Now, now what I noticed is I'm, as I'm looking at this is I, a couple of things. One, look how easily climbable this tree is. I mean, that's, that, that's a fun tree to climb. And, and the branches are low enough that someone's short, when they're talking about short, they did some studies on, on you know, uh, the skeletal remains of people in kind of first century Palestine. They found that they're around 5'8 or so would be an average person. So we're talking 5'3, five, 5'4, five, which I know for you ladies, I'm going to tell you guys, that's, that's not short. You're not short. I can say that because my wife's right in that, age, that, that range. But, but for a guy, it's a little shorter, okay? So he's short, okay? So they're saying he's short. The thing that I, I'm most caught by a sycamore tree is look at how many leaves are in that tree. And look at how easily it would be if you climb this tree and let's say Jesus was out in that meadow, how easy would it be for you to hide? How easy would it be for you to be able to find a tiny gap in those leaves to look out and see, but they don't see you? Man, there's something about that that I think catches us. Now here's Zacchaeus. He knows he has gotten all of what he's done in his life has come from, from means that were not legal. And yet, and yet he is, and he's stolen. And yet he wants to see Jesus. But does he want Jesus to see him? It's like he's playing this, this game of, of hide and seek. And he's going, man, I, 
I'm feeling something compelled in me to go climb that tree and look out there and look for him. But do, do I want him or do I want others to see me? He certainly doesn't want others to see him. I don't even know if he wants Jesus to see him. I started thinking about that for us, you guys. And I'm thinking, come on, how many times are we doing that? How many times are we walking into church and you're just going, I just felt that I needed to come. But man, I certainly don't want anybody to really see what's happening on the inside. I want him to come and I want to seek out what God's got. But at the same time, do I really want God to see me? Do I want him to see what's going on the inside? Do I want him to see the addiction? Do I want him to see the, the apathy? Do I want him to see the doubt? Do I want him to see the times I continue to turn my back? Do I want him to see that? I don't know if I do. So can I sit in space where I might see him a little, but gosh, please don't discover me. Isn't that us in a lot of ways? So he looks way down there. He tries to avoid the crowd. He sees a sycamore tree in the distance. He climbs the tree and now he's set in a spot where he's got control. I can see it. Hopefully very few people can see me. Jesus, on the other hand, he's starting to walk down. He gets up that morning. He's starting to walk down the road and he's got people coming at all sides to him. He's got people that can't wait to have something healed or can't wait to, to just see who he is or listen to what he has to say. You know the commotion that's around Jesus and people piling in around him. There's that one scene where a woman just grabs onto his clothes and he just says, who, who touched me? Who, who touched my clothes? And, and, and he heals this woman. I mean, all that stuff's happening all around him. So all this stuff is happening in the distance, the commotion, the people saying stuff, the people clapping or whatever they're doing. In the distance, he sees a sycamore tree. Over the top of the crowds, he sees a sycamore tree and he sees somebody in it. And that's part of what we got to grab onto too. He had an uncanny ability and has an uncanny ability to see what's going on behind what's in front of us. He can see you. He sees your sycamore tree. He sees your life right now. He sees every bit of it. You, when you guys, when you're coming here and you're going, man, I just want to hide. He's going, I see you. I've got you. I see you. Now, sometimes we go, man, I don't want you to because I don't want that condemnation that comes from that. Come on, remember, from his core is compassion. So he comes walking down that thing, down the road, then he sees a sycamore tree, he sees a guy in it, and what does he do? He doesn't say, hey, who's that guy? Over all the clamor, all the people, he says, Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. He says, come down out of that tree. Now, in that moment, Zacchaeus has got to have the blood's got to be going to his face at that point. He's like, oh my gosh, I just got discovered in here. How in the world did he see me? Man, I know that feeling. When I was in college, I, I worked for the Seattle Mariners, you guys, and, and it was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had, besides this one. This is my favorite. Seattle Mariners was second. I, I, I went to, I was working for the Mariners, and, and I had to do a lot, lots of odds and ends stuff during games. Well, one game, I, I'm sitting, I'm down where the owner's box was that was behind home plate. At the, in the old kingdom, they used to have these, the, the, the owner's box was in this plexiglass behind home plate. So I'm down there and I'm doing something, probably getting the owner a coffee or something. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm standing down there, Randy Johnson's pitching, 40,000 people in the kingdom. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, I just stopped. I just wanted to watch him, you know, because I mean, he was our hall of famer, throw Mr. Snappy, you know, his big slider. And I just wanted to watch him. So I go stand there at the doorway next to, the, next to all, the, all the owners and I'm watching Randy Johnson pitch in the middle of like his third pitch, umpire, time. 
And he turns around, he says, you! And I'm like, me? <laughs> I'm, I'm back there just going, what did I do? I'm thinking, oh, I'm wearing white. That's affecting Randy's pitching. You don't want to have any, you don't want Randy mad at you at all. And so I'm, I'm sitting back there going, oh, what did I do? And he comes walking back here, 40,000 people, time. He comes walking right up to me at the fence. And he turns to the cop next to me and says, hey, will you go out there and get that beach ball for us? And that was it. And I'm like, you're not even looking at me? I thought I stopped the whole stinking game. That feeling of everyone looking at you, you know, I just thought, yuck. That's Zacchaeus is up in that tree and Jesus says, Zacchaeus. And he's got to climb down out of there. The people can't stand him. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, let's go. Let's go over to your house. The intentionality. Jesus knows his name, sees his sycamore tree experience, and then invites him, invites himself over to this guy's house. In front of all those people that were so frustrated with him. And they go to his house. And now Luke, Luke summarizes this really quickly. And then he gave away all this stuff. You guys, when someone would go to someone's house back then during mealtime, man, mealtime was like four hours. It was not a half hour meal. It was like four hours. I mean, for me now that I can pull the grandpa card when I eat. So, so I always tell the kids, you know, it's 10 minutes after the meal started and I finish mine. I, I get to go sit on the couch and just talk to them from the couch because I just tell them that's what my grandpa did, and that's what I get to do now. So I just sit over on the couch and, and talk for a little bit, and then we turn on the TV. You guys, back then, it's like, it's four hours of conversation. And we got to believe that this was four hours of conversation. Was it four hours of Jesus condemning him? Man, it was four hours of compassion. It was four hours of Jesus' love. It's four hours of Jesus' mercy. And in the midst of all that he's talking around with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus at some point in the midst of there says to him, you know what? I want to give this stuff back. That's what compassion can do. As Jesus is just pouring out compassion and love and mercy, at some point he's going, I want to give it back. I don't even want to give it back. I want to give it back four times as much. I, I, I took 100, I'm going to give 400. And, and, and Jesus, I think, I believe that Jesus didn't just respond right then, okay, now you've just earned it. I think Jesus over those four hours finally concludes with Zacchaeus, you know what? You're going to spend eternity with me. Man, I love you. And I love, and you're getting it. You're starting to get it. And that's, I think that's, that's the interaction he had with great compassion and love. Left Zacchaeus with such great hope, which is what happens all the time when, when God, when we get that time with the Lord, he can give us such great hope and direction and a next step. And that's what he's given with Zacchaeus. You guys, I want us to relate to Zacchaeus. I want us in this, in this story, I want us to recognize the unbelievable story that this is. That God sees us with great compassion and love. He sees your life. And I know there's a lot of spaces in our life that we feel inadequate, that we feel a little short, that we feel a little like we've messed up. I know there's a lot of spaces, whether it's when our, in our parenting or, or in our jobs or with our friends or with our extended family, our neighbors, that we've fallen short. I know there's a lot of spaces in our life that we want to hide. 
I know that. We all have them. I know there's a lot of moments where we hear the words of God's love, but dang it, we just know that condemnation's coming our way. I know that. I know that some of you are sitting in here right now with those feelings. Do we believe that in God's core of who he is, it's like a mother that sees the womb and wants to care for that baby in her womb, that God looks at you and me with great compassion and says, I'm with you and I want to walk with you and let's go have a conversation together. And I don't care what any of your friends or anybody else thinks. We're going to have a conversation together and we're going to continue to have conversation and you're going to discover my love. Do you know that that's your story? We all have our sycamore tree that we want to hide in. But Jesus sees us and calls us by name. Man, I, I really want you to relate to Zacchaeus. But here's the deal, you guys, and this is where we got to take a right-hand turn, okay? I think a lot of times we love relating to Zacchaeus, and, and it's a beautiful story. But there's somebody else we need to relate to, too. There's a passage in Luke, earlier on in Luke, where Luke says this. He says, be compassionate as I'm compassionate. He says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. He's going, remember, I'm the light of the world. Now I need you to be the light of the world. I'm compassionate. Now I need you to be compassionate. And so for as much as we can relate to Zacchaeus, I need you to relate to Zacchaeus because the more you can relate to Zacchaeus, the, the easier it is for us to actually live out what he's asking us to live out. Because there's another person to relate to, and that is Jesus. We have to relate to that. If we're going to be ambassadors for Jesus, if we're going to be people that are going to be for the good of our city, if we're going to be people that are going to bring heaven on earth, if we're going to be people that are going to be light in this world and salt in this world, then we have to be people that at our core will be compassionate. We have to be people that, that will wake up with that compassion, walk out with that compassion. The neighbor's dog, as much as it drives you nuts, you got to have compassion. When you get into that car and you go to work, you got to have compassion. When you're working with kids, you got to have compassion. You got to have that compassion. And then what else did Jesus do? We've got to be people that are aware. He had an uncanny awareness. We got to be people that are aware of sycamore trees all over the place. We all have them. And so we got to be people that are going, there's people in sycamore trees all around us every day that are dying for somebody to, expend, to extend love and grace to them and to give them hope. And we can be those people. We have to, we have to be those people that recognize that that's me. And because that's me, and this is Jesus, and Jesus wants me to be like him, then I got to be like that for somebody else with great compassion. I got to see the trees. I got to see the, they got to see the name. I got to know the name. That's what I love about Dave's thing. I got to know the names. And then I, and Dave last week, he said, and don't be weird about the conversation. And I love that. Man, it's our job to just then sit and engage intentionality, compassion, love, and grace. And wherever that heads and leads somebody, Man, let it lead somebody wherever they go. But I just want to lead with compassion to everyone. That's what Jesus did. And that's the push that he wants for us. He's going, that's what we have to do. Be compassionate as I am compassionate. 
Now look, you guys, we can high five each other and say, yes, I want to be more compassionate. But let's be honest. Let's just be really, really honest in here. There's no hiding. Let's be honest. It is super easy for us to be compassionate so long as it fits within the box and the boundaries of our theology and our ideology. If it fits within that boundary, I'm going to be super compassionate. If it's within the boundary of, of my conservatism or my liberalism, if it's in the boundary of Republican or Democrat, if it's in the boundary of, of that you believe the same thing I do around, around human sexuality, around race, around equality among gender, around, around, uh, around wealth, around whatever it is, around abortion, around any, you name it. We will be, as people today, it feels like, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying us, we will be people that want to extend a massive amount of compassion so long as it fits within the boundaries and the box of that you believe what I believe. Outside of that, there's a lot of contempt. Maurice and I were, Maurice has been having our staff go through a, go through a book and, and in it, you know, there was a quote that I, that I wrote down. I don't even have it on the screen. It says, contempt is disrespect. Forms of contempt include sarcasm and cynicism and name calling and eye rolling and mockery and belligerence. Feelings of contempt dehumanizes other people and, come, and causes us to replicate the hate we wish to eradicate. I wrote that down. I'm going, that is powerful. And that's the opposite of compassion. We have contempt for anybody outside of that boundary of people that are, believe the exact same thing we believe. And so our compassion is limited. Jesus' compassion was never, ever, ever limited. He would walk to the streets and respond to a prostitute. He'd walk the streets and respond to a Roman centurion that was oppressing the people he loved. On the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. His compassion never, ever had a limit. And because of that, he could look ahead in a sycamore tree with that kind of awareness and call out by name somebody who absolutely goes against what I described at the very beginning. Jesus, God is compassionate. He's also loyally loving. And this guy has zero loyalty. And yet he goes to him anyway and pours out compassion on this person. Never once slowing down to say, but he doesn't believe what I believe. He doesn't live the way I want him to live. He saw Zacchaeus because he did not hold back his compassion. And we have to be thankful for that because if, if he operated the way we do, he'd have walked right by Zacchaeus and he'd have walked right by you and me. He'd have walked by me in college in a heartbeat and said, Bill, you're not living the way I want you to live. You're not doing what I want you to do. I don't, I don't like early on or even now, I don't like your apathy at times or your doubt at times. Or your, I, don't, I don't like any of that. He just walked right by, but he didn't. Because he said, this love, 
for you. And so he did not hold back one bit with me. And I'm so thankful he did it. And if we are to be Christ followers, if we're to be ambassadors, if we're to be light in this world, if we're to be salt in this world, if we're to represent Jesus, if we're to, to be some people that are gonna bless the socks off of this community, if we're gonna be people that are before the good of our city, if we're gonna be people that are gonna bring heaven on earth, then we have to. It starts waking up. And I don't know if you have a prayer life when you first wake up or not, even if you don't, it starts with us standing up and just going, God, God, today, today, it takes 10 seconds, you guys. Today, let me see people the way you do. Today, let me have a compassion that you have and God may be aware of the fig trees, may be aware of the sycamore trees. Help me to see that. God, help me in the midst of it to have courage that even if the, 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 the churchgoers around me tell me not to talk to that person, I'm going to anyway. God, help me to remember a name. Help me to have the time to be intentional. Relate to Zacchaeus, you guys. It's a beautiful story. Relate to him. It's our story. He reached out to us that way. But don't forget, we got to relate to others that exact same way. Father, I pray that, it, that we would be people that would see the beauty of your story, to see the beauty of your intentionality, to see the beauty of your compassion. God, we are people that have felt and experienced that compassion and we, I'm a changed person because of it. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that I'm a changed person because of what you have done for me and that you saw me in a sycamore tree and you continue to see me in a sycamore tree. And while I sometimes wanna hide and don't wanna, want other people to, exp to see me and I don't want you to see me for some of the faults that I have in my life, God, I'm so thankful that you see me with great compassion and you call me by name. You say, Bill, come on, let's go spend some time together. And I pray, Lord, that I would extend that same, same deep, deep compassion. I would, I would extend that to any sycamore tree I see. God, give me the awareness to see him. I pray that for all of us. May your world be changed. May, may this kingdom be changed. God, may we unearth this thing because we are truly gonna be people that will walk with the compassion that you gave us. It's in your name we pray, amen.